Good evening. Goodbye Forever, Volume 2 by Nat Chang Rinpoche. Chapter 3, Part 3. I love reading, I said, but I wouldn't want my reading governed by the erudite rules and regulations of rigor mortis. And there didn't seem to be a creative writing degree on offer anywhere. So where I am suits me perfectly because I also love painting. And blues, Cynthia chuckled. Quite the polymath. Maybe Polly the parrot, I dissembled, wishing to deflect the praise. <clears throat> I never knew what to do with compliments. Compliments were not unpleasant, but they left me at a loss for an appropriate response. Not wishing to sound gauche, I continued, I've always loved the whole spectrum of the arts, and so trying to specialise has always gone against the grain. The main problem with that is that unless you're Leonardo da Vinci, you stand the chance of merely being mediocre in all fields. So all thy words comes back to thee in shades of mediocrity, Cynthia quipped but followed immediately. Sorry, I didn't mean that in the way it sounds. Homeward bound, I wish I was, I burst out laughing. Sounded brilliant to me. I love wordplay. Cynthia looked relieved, and so did Frank, as it was clear he was aware that offence could have been taken. So I sang... Tonight I'll sing my blues again, I'll play the harp, the notes will bend. Ooh. And the lyrics all come back to me in shades of immortality. Like emptiness in harmony, won't someone stand a drink for me? Homeward bound. I wish I was homeward bound. Home where my thoughts escaping, there'll be muddy waters playing. Home where my guitar's waiting silently for me. Silently for me. They both cracked up laughing at that and I was glad I'd managed to make everything feel light again. Cynthia seemed to enjoy the evening, and she and Frank remained an item. Frank was always glad to see me and often showed up for my sets at the William Cobbett. He always reminded me about coming to Louisiana. He always gave me that big smile to make it obvious that he meant every word. He also asked me questions about Buddhism. I always answered, but at first tried to keep my answers brief. I had no wish to proselytise. Frank, however, was persistent and gradually coaxed more detailed information out of me. I never asked him what he wanted to do with the information but just assumed that he, like all art students, was fascinated with the nature of reality. 
we had some excellent conversations back and forth between Buddhism and blues, almost my twin religions. I'd written Frank Berner's home address in Louisiana in my address book. We'd become good friends. Although he was no blues performer, blues ran through him like the words in a stick of Brighton rock. Absurd expression, but then that's apparently what he liked about me. I was a quaint, old-fashioned Englishman who played blues. The anomaly appealed to his sense of poetry, as did the fact that I was an ordained nakpa. Frank always returned to the subject of Vajrayana, and I got the sense that he had an authentic desire to learn more. He was particularly interested in the nature of personality and how emptiness manifested individual personality as a reflex of natural compassion. The idea of compassion and wisdom being non-dual intrigued him. And the fact that this non-duality was the underpinning of art was a subject to which he kept returning. By the time the end of the summer term was nearing, Frank told me that he was starting to think that Vajrayana might just be his direction. It fitted with how he saw things as a fine artist, in a way that Christianity didn't. I pointed out that Christianity had a wealth of paintings, sculpture and music, but he shook his head. Man, that was all way back with Leonardo da Vinci when religious painting was everywhere and it was the main culture. Dudes like that could express themselves through religion and it was a serious thing. Today, it's Jesus Christ Superstar, Frank rolled his eyes. And I ain't gonna be painting no goddamn sets for that. Not for Godspell or Joseph and his goddamn hippie slicker neither. Anyhow, I can't see no serious Christian art nowheres. Right, I pondered. Well, it's not my job to put you off looking into Vajrayana, but I'm not a proselytizer. I'd hate to come across like a Vajrayana missionary or anything, so I feel slightly obliged to mention the alternative. Frank nodded. Appreciate it. Never saw you as no evangelist. That's why I's always asking questions. It's cause there ain't no goddamn preacher number you's trying to sell. True enough, Frank. Although there are plenty of Western Buddhists out there who think it's all right to proselytize. So why is that? Well, from what I've seen, they don't seem to understand that Buddhism isn't a religion of truth. It's a religion of method. It doesn't require faith. It simply requires personal experience. Yeah, God's fine if you's got the faith, man. But I got no faith in no uncreated creator. I can't go that way. So if it wasn't for this here Vajrayana, I'd have no interest in no religion. But that wouldn't settle right with me. Having no religion don't really suit me either. 
So I've got to follow this through and see where this Vajrayana takes me. That was somehow startling because I'd had no sense of anything I'd said being that convincing. I'd certainly made no attempt to convince Frank of anything. I'd merely answered his questions. I'd merely explained. I cast my mind back and it occurred to me that Frank had asked me a lot of questions over the time we'd known each other, but that he'd left it right until the end of his time at Farnham Art School to tell me that he was on the cusp of thinking of himself as a Buddhist. Frank always gave me valuable guidance on just the right way to pronounce words in order that I'd sound as if I'd been born in the Mississippi Delta. I never did get to be as good as Joanne Kelly, but Frank enabled me to be streets ahead of a fair few other English blues exponents. I offered him my address, but he said, I'll get it when you write me, man. If you give it me now, I'll probably lose it when I was packing up to go home. And that's how we left it. But sometime later, the idea took an unexpected nosedive. It was in September, just before I set out for Bristol. I'd gone on some wild goose chase to meet a man who knew a man or something of that nature. He was supposed to be in the know and well equipped with the wherewithal to get me better known as a bluesman. It turned out to be a wasted journey. Blues was history. Sid, Sidney Arthur, the man who knew the man, expressed great interest in seeing the devil. I took it along and we talked. The devil proved fascinating, but Sid wasn't hopeful. No album, mate. Problem there, ain't it? You know what I mean, Sonny Jim? I shook my head. I had no idea what he meant. Well, you see, mate, no proverbial album, no large gigs. And without your large gigs, ain't a snowball's chance in hell of an album. Definitive closed loop, do you see? Keep you in mind, though, like as when I'm talking to people, I'll mention you to Georgie Kaminsky when I'm uptown, you never know. Sid meant Giorgio Gamelski the proprietor of the Crawdaddy Club. So I had some inkling that he didn't really know Giorgio Gamelski that well. I knew the name because Ron had chatted with him about Savage Cabbage playing a gig at the Crawdaddy. Giorgio Gamelski had been interested as Ron had sent him a tape. We'd been due to play the Crawdaddy the summer after Ron and Steve died. Sid listened to a tape I'd made of my performance at the Farnham Folk and Blues Festival. He liked my voice, but no. Five years back and we'd be talking, mate, but now it's rock, mate, fast and furious. Mind you, I love the blues, always did, always will. Best you can get, but there you go. That's the way of the world, mate, ain't it? Way of the world. You're probably right. Don't play any other material, do you? I shook my head. No, I only play blues, 
got no heart for anything else. It wasn't strictly true because I wrote psychedelic ballads and acid rock numbers, but I wasn't going to go down that road. I'd sell my non-existent soul to Papa Legba, but I wasn't about to sell it just to be on stage again. The road I took that evening, however, led me to lose the devil. The elasticated cord gave way and the devil fell off the sissy bars of my motorcycle. I stopped as quickly as I could to save it, but it was too late. The devil was crushed. The eight double wheels of an articulated lorry pummeled it into the tarmac. I sat and stared for a minute or two at the remains that I'd dragged out of the road. A blank thoughtlessness. It was what Dujam Rinpoche called the prison of numb emptiness, in which the richness of the nature of mind could not self-emerge. When I recognised this, some sense of time and place asserted itself. It had become dark. Stars had appeared. A pattern had appeared. A pattern of stars. I wondered what constellation it was because I did not recognise it. I observed without cogitating because there was nothing on which I could make a comparison. I, it was in the wrong part of the sky for Orion, Taurus, Gemini or Canis Major. They were all in the south and I was looking north. It was, however, nothing I would have recognised in the northern sky, Ursa Major, Draco or Cygnus. I had been fascinated by the stars as a child and it gave me great pleasure to be able to identify stars and constellations. I knew how to find the northern star, the pole star, by tracing a line from the two stars that formed the rear leg of the Great Bear. I had no interest in astrology, as it had always seemed a little too arbitrary and impossibly generalised to be taken seriously. The stars in themselves were a subject of sufficient wonder. And on this evening, the wonder suddenly transmogrified into the wildest wonderment, as Dorje Legpa glittered into my perception out of what should have been Ursa Major, Ursa Minor and Draco. As before on the steps of Farnham Art School, the visual impression did not last long enough to form a focus on which I could dwell for more than a few minutes at the outside. I thought about my vain attempt to meet Legba at the crossroads when I was 12. I thought about my hoodoo conversations with Frank. I noticed the fine layer of dust that lay on the ruins of the case that housed the devil. I felt moved to write a few words with my fingertip. I almost wrote Dorje Legpa in Tibetan Uchen script. I decided against it almost immediately and wrote Bye-bye, Papa Legba.
I decided against it because it offended Vajrayana. It treated Vajrayana too lightly. That was always the danger with whimsy. The similarity between the names Legpa and Legba, however, was intriguing. I knew that there were many of these false friends in linguistics and that merely because there was a similarity between two words did not prove a connection between them. Be that as it may, the devil was gone. Building another was not feasible. Then I straddled the pixie chariot. It swept up ape hanger handlebars, seeming vaguely like the horns of a goat, and thrust my foot down on the kickstart. I twisted the throttle, lovely deep-throated roar, and let fly the clutch. There's a section of road where you can hit the ton if you accelerate fast enough and slow down immediately the needle tips 100 miles an hour. The next day I realised I'd made a rather serious mistake. When I'd ridden off to see Sid, I'd popped my address book in the devil's case. It had occurred to me that Sid might give me a slew of useful business music contacts. I was wrong. But I was further in error than I had guessed. I'd forgotten all about the address book in my distress about the devil. As soon as that fact hit me, I rode off immediately to find the wreckage of the devil to retrieve my address book. After searching the roadside for an hour, I gave up. The address book was lost. Goodbye forever. Many of the addresses were replaceable, but not Frank's. I tried the fine art department, but the secretary told me that she couldn't give people personal addresses. What if I just gave you the letter postage paid for the USA and you wrote the address and posted it. She was not keen on the idea, even when I told her how I'd lost my address book, but she finally agreed with ill humour and told me this is the first and last time. Time passed. No reply ever came and I have always wondered whether she really posted that letter or not. I tried sending others to Frank Burner, care of Farnham Art School, but in the end I gave up. Those good people in Louisiana and Mississippi weren't going to hear no blues from no Frank Schubert, the almost one and only pink nigger. Sad? Yes. But Dujim Rinpoche didn't say that I had to play the chitlin circuit. Dujim Rinpoche had simply told me to maintain my connection with blues and the arts. So art school would have to stand in for blues and the other arts for the next three years. Then, suddenly, life always seemed to happen suddenly. I was in Bristol. I was an art student again 
and mighty glad to be so. At least this was real. Chasing the gin for another moment of glory on the blues stage was terminally finished. All that chasing accomplished was to convert me into a wraith. With Frank Burner on the scene, I felt I was real as a bluesman. However, at the point the devil died and Frank Burner's address vanished, Frank Schubert became a big pink nothing, a blues blancmange. In Bodenath, with Kjavje Dujem Rimshe, I'd also felt I was real, but the reality of that was not ephemeral. To be a bluesman, I had to have a context. But to be a nakpa, all I really required were the practices that I had been given. Those practices were indestructible. Those practices would not change with the changing of fashion. There was no Sid Arthur to tell me that non-dual realisation had had its day. No Sid, no stage, no album, no gigs. There was no fame or shame either, and no applause other than the self-existent applause of natural, co-emergent appreciation. Chugyam, the art student, however, was alive and well and looking toward three years of pure creativity. I was a real person again. I was engaged upon an adventure into the realm of word and image. The head of illustration was a marvellous man, open-minded, friendly and enthusiastic. He even had an interest in Buddhism and was reasonably knowledgeable. I felt at home. <laughs>